Welcome to this episode of Come Follow Me, A Disciple's Journey. This episode will cover section 76, uh, the first 49 verses. We're going to talk about Joseph and Sidney seeing Christ, seeing Satan, and the sons of perdition, and um, the revelation about them. Like many ver- uh, sections of the Doctrine and Covenants, the, uh, this section begins with a testimony of Christ as the Savior and His authority and dominion. Um, it says uh, that, uh, Hear, O ye heavens, and give ear, O earth, and rejoice, ye inhabitants thereof, for the Lord is God, and beside Him there is no Savior. Like I said, many of sections of the Doctrine and Covenants, you, you will have noticed, start out with some testimony of, of Christ as the Savior. Um, and to me, this is powerful and important. I think it's uh, reaffirming uh, to me that Jesus is the Christ. This is his church. Whatever whatever else the section's about to contain, it all hinges on that fact. Um, the Lord goes on and says that he wants to give us knowledge and information. Verses 5 through 10. Uh, he says that if we fear him, meaning respect, reverence, and obey him, that he will give us honors, which include uh, great rewards, eternal glory, revelation, knowledge of his will, knowledge of the wonders of eternity, great wisdom, understanding that reaches the heaven, enlightenment by the Spirit. These feel like gifts that we all would want. These feel like things we all want. And what it comes down to is honoring him, fearing him, being reverent toward him, and obeying him. Um, section 122 of the Doctrine and Covenants, which is given several years later, uh, while, sorry, I said section 122, uh, I meant 121, while the prophet is in, uh, jail, the Lord says, a time to come in which nothing shall be withheld, whether there be one God or many gods, there shall be manifest all thrones, dominions, principalities, power shall be revealed. Um, and if there are bounds set to the heavens or to the seas, he goes through this big list. All these things, there's going to be a time where you where you can understand and know everything. And he wants to give us that. That's what he's saying here in section 76. And how we get to that point is through enduring and through obedience. And these things aren't just for prophets to know or for general authorities to know. The prophet Joseph Smith said, it is is the privilege of the children of God to come to God and get revelation. God is not a respecter of persons. We all have the same privilege. We believe that we have the right to revelations, visions, and dreams from God, our Heavenly Father, and light and intelligence through the gift of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus Christ on all subjects pertaining to our spiritual welfare, if it so be that we keep his commandments so as to render ourselves worthy in his sight. Everybody has that same right. It's what President Nelson has talked about in paying the price for priesthood power, for in uh, paying the price to receive personal revelation, that that's how we not only survive, but it's how we thrive in, in the last days. It's how we gain this knowledge, these these truths, this light, this spirit is through seeking and asking and knocking. Um. And while they sat pondering, it says in verses 15 through 19, they were doing the work that they had been appointed to do, right? They were uh, 
translating the, the New Testament and going through it. They were in the book of John. And so they were being obedient. That's the thing that stands out to me here in verse 15, that the first thing that precipitated this revelation, this vision, the visions that we have in section 76, is that Joseph and Sidney were obedient. And then they sat pondering those things, and they were pondering the scriptures. We can be obedient. You can be obedient. You can ponder the scriptures. You can study the scriptures. You can pray. These are things, the things that precipitated and led up to these, this vision are, all, are things that we all can do. Uh, Marion G. Romney said, Pondering is in my feeling a form of prayer. It at least, it has at least been an approach to the Spirit of the Lord on many occasions. Um, Nephi, in 1 Nephi chapter 11, was pondering the things that his father had taught. That leads him to seeing the, the vision of the tree of life. As we uh, ponder upon the things that others have said and others have recorded, prophets and the scriptures and in modern revelation, our own past revelation, that will lead to further revelation. Now, like Joseph said, and I mentioned in the introductory episode, if we could read everything that's ever been written about and that's ever happened, uh, but from Adam to now, pertain, pertaining to our relation to God, we, we wouldn't, it wouldn't amount to much. Because then it comes down to us getting that personal revelation. But what becomes clear as we study the scriptures and as we ponder is that study and ponder lead to that personal revelation. Now, reading about someone's other revelation, someone else's revelation, excuse me, doesn't give us a revelation. But it's one step towards us receiving our own revelation. As we ponder and pray about those things, the Lord will open our mind as he did and open the eyes and mind uh, of Joseph and Sidney in this revelation. So, the... Vision opens, and they beheld the glory of the Son on the right hand of the Father. And then verses 22 through 24 uh, should ring familiar. And now after the many testimonies which have been given of him, this is the testimony last of all which we give of him, that he lives. For we saw him even on the right hand of God, and we heard the voice bearing record that he is the only begotten of the Father, that by him and through him and of him the worlds are and were created, and the inhabitants thereof are the son, begotten sons and daughters unto God. This vision, the vision of the celestial kingdom and the terrestrial kingdom and the telestial kingdom, where does it start? Well, it started in verse 1 with the testimony of Christ and um, his position of authority. It starts then here and continues here, I should say, because the first thing that they see is his glory. They see him and testify of him, that he is real, that he lives And I've noticed I've noted this in the past, but it's also important to note now that in verses 25 through 27, the next vision they see is of Lucifer. Lucifer means a light bearer, and then goes and moves from Lucifer's vision, uh, vision of Lucifer into what happens to the sons of perdition. And perdition means um, loss or destruction. And so they go from Christ seeing him to seeing. Lucifer, a son, a son of the morning, uh, a light bearer who fell. And so he, he lost. He lost his light. And it, there was destruction, right? So there's this, that's what the perdition, uh, 
carries this connotation of loss or destruction. And so then the vision continues and they see the uh, son, the, the, the sons of perdition. Uh, there are some questions that can be raised as you study about the sons of perdition, particularly in verse 31 says, Thus saith the Lord concerning all those who know my power and have been made partakers thereof and suffered themselves through the power of the devil to be overcome and to deny the truth and defy my power. So who is it that become the sons of perdition? It's those who deny the power of the Holy Ghost. They deny truth. But the question is, what does that mean? Um, what's the line? How much light and knowledge do you have to have? Uh, to be like able to fall that far, right? So the prophet Joseph Smith asked concerning those who become the sons of perdition, what must a man do to commit the unpardonable sin? He must receive the Holy Ghost, have the heavens opened unto him, and know God, and then sin against him. After a man has sinned against the Holy Ghost, there is no repentance for him. He's got to say that the sun does not shine while he sees it. He's got to deny Jesus Christ when the heavens have been opened unto him and deny deny the plan of salvation with his eyes open to the truth of it. And from that time, he begins to be an enemy. This is the case with many apostates of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, let's see, Elder Orson F. Whitney said uh, that sinning against the Holy Ghost and denying him to this level is an offense so heinous that the sinner is unable to repent. And this is what makes his case hopeless. If he could repent, he could be forgiven. But being incapable of repentance, he cannot be reached by the pardoning power. So the question still remains, what is the, what's that line, right? Who, how, um, how much light do you have to have? Is this like anybody that anyone, you know, that's been a member of the church and then it becomes an apostate. That's that's their state. Is there, there, they will be a son of perdition, and, and their their case is hopeless. Um, Elder Spencer W. Kimball said, "The sin against the Holy Ghost requires such knowledge that it is manifestly impossible for the rank and file to commit such a sin." So the answer is no. There is a line somewhere, but I I don't know what that line is. Um, and in studying many of the words from uh, other. Orson F. Whitney and Joseph Smith and Spencer B. Kimball and uh, Joseph Fielding Smith. Um, let's see, this one's Spencer W. Kimball again. Uh, Bruce R. McConkie. There doesn't, they don't seem to know exactly what the line is either. The Lord does, though. And that's, I think, a comfort to me uh, because as we'll see through this revelation and through this week's study, the Lord is nothing if not merciful and loving. The plan of salvation is a plan of happiness. It's a plan of mercy. I apologize if you can hear my dogs barking, by the way. Side note. But his plan is a plan of love and mercy. And so to know that it's in his hands, to know where that line is, is comforting. Uh, the Lord also says in verse 35 that these who are the sons of perdition um, crucify openly crucified Christ, basically. It says, having denied the Holy Spirit and after having denied it and having denied the only begotten of the Son of the Father, having crucified him unto themselves and put him to open shame. 
Bruce R. McConkie said about that and what that means is that um, a man who commits the impartable sin consists in crucifying unto oneself the Son of God afresh and putting him to open shame. To commit this unpardonable crime, a man must receive the gospel again from the Holy Ghost by revelation, the absolute knowledge of the divinity of Christ, and then deny the new and everlasting covenant by which he was sanctified, calling it an unholy thing and doing despite the spirit of grace. Thereby, He thereby commits murder by assenting unto the Lord's death, that is, having a perfect knowledge of the truth. He comes out in open rebellion and places himself in position wherein he would have crucified Christ knowing perfectly the while that he was the Son of God. Christ is thus crucified afresh and put to open shame. And so that's what that means. Again, there's this line. Where is the line of how much you have to know? I don't know, but it seems like it's a pretty high threshold. And then by crucifying him afresh, it's it's, a, it's as though this person were back in the meridian of time, knew that Christ was the Son of God, knew without a hundred a hundred percent, not like a you know, a belief, but a knowledge, a one hundred percent knowledge, and still would have crucified him. Um and I think that when you look at it that way, you can see that that line is it's a pretty high high line of, of knowledge and of of action to deny that much uh, knowledge. As we continue, verses 38 and 39 make it clear that all people who are born um, are resurrected. Even those who are destined to become sons of perdition, and by destined I mean because of their own actions, not by foreordination or predestination. Even those who will uh, not inherit a kingdom of glory, if they were born in this life in the mortality, then they will be resurrected. Again, another a sign of the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ, that it is powerful uh, enough to resurrect all men, and B, uh, the love and mercy of God. Why did we have death, a physical death? It needed to happen, but because of someone else's actions, because of Adam and Eve's actions. And so by all being resurrected, all things are made and put back into uh, a right position with God. There's not, there's nothing unfair. Um, otherwise we could say, Hey, look, I wasn't resurrected, but I only died because of someone else's actions. That's not fair. But God in his love and his mercy and his justice corrects that through the atonement of Christ. All men who are born, who chose to come and to, to mortality and women, by the way, when I say men, mankind, um, will be resurrected. If you want um, some companion reading for the second death and about um, the resurrection and the resurrection of the just and unjust and um, uh, Alma chapter 12 is a great one. Uh, Alma chapters 40 through 42 is also really good. Uh, as we continue through, though, um, coming to a close of this episode, um, verses 40 through 43, the Lord says, um, this is the gospel. And there's a few times in Scripture, in the Book of Mormon, there's a, a time in Third Nephi, chapter 27, where Christ says, behold, this is my gospel, and then he tells us. So what is he saying? What is he going to say that the gospel is? 
He came into the world to be crucified for the world and to bear the sins of the world, to sanctify the world and to cleanse it from all unrighteousness, that through him all might be saved, whom the Father had put his pow- put into his power and made by him. In Alma chapter 33, we read about, well, now about chapter 32, we read about planting a seed, right? And if we plant this seed, it can grow. And that wor- the, the word is the seed and it grows in and it it's how we grow faith is what Alma teaches us. In, in chapter 33, we learn what that word is that needs to be planted. And it's essentially the same thing that he just said here. That he came into the world to be crucified. In Alma chapter 3, it says, What are we supposed to believe in? What's this word? Begin to believe that the Son of God, that he will come to redeem his people, that he shall suffer and die and to atone for their sins, and they shall rise from again from the dead, which shall bring to pass the resurrection. Those That's the thing that we're supposed to plant. That's the gospel. In Alma chapter 32 and in Alma chapter 33 and in 3 Nephi chapter 27 and all throughout scriptures, we read about the gospel as faith and hope, or sorry, excuse me, faith and repentance and baptism and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost and enter into the end. And that's true. That's part of the gospel. But these this core that's mentioned here in verses 40 through 42 of section 76, that's that's what we need to be planting in our heart. And then the faith and the repentance and the baptism and the receiving of the gift of the Holy Ghost and enduring to the end. Those, those are the things that we do to nourish that seed that's been planted. And one final note, um, just because it is an interesting word, and it's uh, in verse 48, it says, Wherefore, the end of the width and the height and the depth and the misery thereof they understand not, neither any man except those who are ordained to this condemnation. And the word ordained makes you think that maybe they were picked to be, but it just means those who, um, well, as one commentator said, not foreordained in the sense of pre-elected by God to condemnation. God has ordained that rebellion against him shall result if persisted into the end in misery but he has not foreordained any to that fate. So the, the foreordination or the ordination is to the state. We all have, we have the choice of how we, if we get there or not. Um, and so it's not some preset destination for some and not for others. Um, so that's where we're going to end this episode. Um, it's like drinking from a fire hose for me, even like trying to, I, I, even after having studied and planned and said, all right, here's what I want to share. And here's some of the things I, you know, I can pull out. It still is like, that. just, there's so much here and we've only gone through half of it. Um, so I hope you'll join me in the next episode as we continue going through uh, this section and we discuss the celestial, terrestrial, and telestial kingdoms, the kingdoms of glory. Uh, they're, they're different, uh, even levels of glory within themselves uh, the resurrection and uh, the types of people who will be there. A lot of great stuff. So hope you join me in that. Best of luck in your studies. And again, if this doesn't help, I you know take it for what it is. I'm I'm doing my best, and I appreciate you listening. And I hope it does help you in your study.